Hey, I'm glad you're here. This is episode 11, and we're continuing our conversation about how to own our decision making from the what do I want to get done today choices all the way up to which job offer do I accept? We've got all kinds of decisions to make in life. Now let's talk today about the times when it's clear you need to make some sort of decision, but your best choice isn't nearly as clear. Welcome to an owner's guide for your life. The podcast that combines psychology, coaching, common sense, and fun. I'm Tracy Browning, an entrepreneur, life coach, and lover of people. Now, let's talk about how to live, love, make money, and change the world. Now, I will start with this disclaimer. This is not an all-inclusive best ever guide on everything you ever wanted to know about decisions. But I do have some solid suggestions to help you move forward and make decisions that you feel good about. And thinking about this particular episode on decision making has been an exercise of making decisions for me. And just so you know, I practice what I preach. (laughs) So... Let's review just for a minute what we talked about in the last episode. An average adult faces 35,000 decisions a day. Of course, lots of little ones in there. But obviously, decision-making is a hugely helpful skill, particularly for those of us who want to own our lives. Now, what we talked about then was also you want to prepare yourself to make a decision by centering yourself. Our physical bodies have a lot of information to give us about what we're thinking and feeling, and they can give us a lot of help. So remember, we did this quick demo about how to center yourself, to roll your shoulders up, back and down, and relax them away from your ears, and you know, hold your head up, sit up straight, and be comfortable, and, and just really, you're, you're opening your body and taking a deep breath, getting oxygen flowing through your lungs and your body and just deep breathing because it's much easier to feel open mentally and emotionally where you need to be to make a good decision. It's easier to feel that way when your body's open. Plus, your breath gets the oxygen flowing through our bodies and our brains and that's pretty important. So, When you're getting ready to make just your decisions, your choices, let your body help you. Now, on to an assortment of tips about how to make good choices. There's there's one thing I've seen a lot of, and it's kind of sneaky. You may see this going on in your mind. Sometimes we catch ourselves thinking that life should just happen. So taking time and energy to evaluate and make decisions, it feels like this huge burden. Like, we shouldn't have to do this much work on it. Planning and deciding, it can feel like it's artificial and and forced. And we want life to just flow naturally. Now, it's especially a rub here if we're going through what we call compare and despair. When we're looking at people who we admire, Chances are good, 
they have thought through and planned out and worked hard to get their life choices um, to some degree or other, right? But we're not looking at the behind the scenes. We're looking at the end result. Now, we don't expect to be Olympic level gymnast after we've turned one cartwheel in the yard, right? No, I don't. (laughs) And I'm not really very good at cartwheels either. But anyway, we do understand that high-level performance, like Olympic-level performance, that takes dedication and practice and thoughtful planning and, and coaching and all kinds of things. So apply that kind of thinking here to your life. You create the life you want through your thoughtful choices and where you direct your energy. So it's not artificial or forced. It's thoughtful thinking. So you can have that kind of life too. Now, an important thing to keep in mind when you're making decisions, know what matters to you. Kind of standard advice when somebody's facing a a bigger decision is, you know, make your pro and con list. And that's not a bad idea at all. Um, it, It helps you get all the stuff out of your head you know, usually it's kind of swirling around in a jumble in your head. So if you're making a pro and con list, advantages, disadvantages, that kind of thing, it's it's getting it out of your head where you can more clearly see what's happening. You can look at the words on your paper or on your computer or your phone. And sometimes just looking at the words helps you see your decision in a different light. Um, one of my favorite things to do is I like to write on a whiteboard. There's something about not just writing, but writing in bigger letters that really helps me see things more clearly. I love it. I'm a whiteboard fan. Um, another suggestion, and this comes out of the quality field in um, manufacturing and industrial environments. It's called the five whys. Ask why five times. Here's what this looks like. It, it, it helps you explore what's going on to, to find the cause of a problem. So here it is in action. Let's say I'm often late for work. Why? Why are you late for work? Well, I have trouble getting out the door. Why? Because I can't get everything done that I need to do in the morning. Why can't you get everything done? I don't have enough time. Why don't you have enough time? Because I hit snooze too many times. Why did you hit snooze too many times? And this is our fifth why. Okay, so listen to how different answers here could lead you to different solutions. Maybe you hit the snooze alarm too many times because you stayed up late. Now, if you stayed up late, go ahead. You don't have to limit yourself to five whys. Why did you stay up late? Do you need to work on your sleep habits? Do you need a bedtime routine? Do you just need to enforce a bedtime and say, you know, I'm not going to stay up until one in the morning. I'm going to go to bed by 11. Maybe you need to look at how much caffeine you have later in the day. Um, So, you know, staying up late, there could be all kinds of things going on there. Maybe your answer is, well, I hit snooze because it's just easy to do and it's a habit I've developed. Well, if you have your alarm clock or your phone right beside your bed, Maybe the simple solution is move it so you have to get out of bed. Or maybe you need a different kind of alarm. Um, So there's different solutions. But the thing you want to do here with looking to see what matters to you is look and 
find your decision point. You might need a different perspective on it. Um, you might need to explore some different things, but like here with the five whys, it helps you make a more precise, a better informed decision um, about, all right, why am I late for work? Well, what it comes down to is I need to move my alarm clock across the room, right? Oh, so helpful things. Know what you know, what matters to you. Now, this next one, I'm just going to talk to myself a little bit here because I am a work in progress on this one. And sometimes I go a little bit backwards and sometimes I move forwards with big steps. But this one is overthinking, overthinking, overanalyzing. This happens especially if we are perfectionists. If we want to maximize our decisions. Well, here's a novel thought. And it's a question that I ask myself often these days. What if I make a decision that's good enough? Not perfect. What if it's just good enough? Make the good enough decision and move on with life. Well, my recovering perfectionist self is working on this. And, and I've shared with people that my mantra as I've worked on launching this podcast has been, done beats perfect. I've said it over and over, in part to remind myself that done beats perfect, and in part to convince myself that it's true, and for the most part, I'm starting to believe it. But for a lot of decisions, simply good enough really is acceptable, and maybe even preferable to making a decision that I've agonized and spent hours and hours and hours researching. Maybe just make the good enough decision and move on. Ah, I had to stop and take a breath after that one. <laughs> now, here's another thing about making decisions. An abundance of choices is not necessarily a good thing. Now, Choice abundance is good from a free market economy perspective because competition can give us better quality and better pricing and better selection. And so it feels like lots of choice should be good, right? You know, that, that, part, that part really is good. But from the subjective consumer experience, it's not that simple. Choices, the amount of choices and satisfaction have a pretty complicated relationship. More choices, that just means it's gonna take more time and energy to consider them. Whether you are a perfectionist maximizer or not, having to work your way through more choices, it just takes more time and energy. So what winds up happening here? Well, you know as well as I do, what often happens, analysis paralysis. We just get frozen in overwhelm because there are so many things to consider that we just don't do anything. Um, and once we do make a choice, our satisfaction is not as high. We're going to feel anxiety. We'll feel regret. Maybe we're worried about what are we missing out on because we didn't choose the other things. Researchers are even showing us that we, we've 
put a lot of self-blame on ourselves if our choices don't work out when we've got all these choices. Now, there's one study. I just call it the jam study. <laughs> but it's such a good example of this. They, they did this study in a grocery store, and they had two different sampling stations. One of them had 24 flavors of jam. Oh, yay. And the other had only six flavors of jam. So what they looked at was, okay, you know, yeah, how many samples are we giving away? How much activity are we having? But they really expected to see that when you had more choices, that more people would then go buy jam. Well, the results were this, that the sampling station with 24 flavors, only 3% of those people went and bought jam. The sampling station with six flavors, 10 times the number of people went to buy jam. Now, what's going on here? And I would say that, again, it's complicated, um, but some of it is, look at, look at simple math. When you only have, and I'm going to use numbers that are easier for me to, to deal with here. If you only have two options, you've got a 50% chance of making like the right choice, however you define right. But if you've got five options, well, all of a sudden your chance of making the right choice, you only got a 20% chance of making the right choice. So, you know, 24 flavors of jam, yeah, that was fun tasting them, but I don't know what I want to go buy. I liked four of them, and I don't need four flavors, so eh, I'll just do without. Now, this choice overwhelm, this is how it plays out in real life, in real time for me, with the podcast. I can make podcast episodes about anything I want. It's an owner's guide for your life. Your life includes oh my gosh, all kinds of things. It's a big playground for me and it's filled with choice. So here's what happens. I find myself evaluating a lot and I love to read and study and think. Oh, these are my sweet spots. It's what I excel in and it's where I'm really, really comfortable. So I'm going to spend time in my comfort zone that feels better to me than to make choices and move on to do things that I'm less comfortable with and I'm less familiar with that need to happen after that for my podcast. Now, this isn't unique to me. This is something that every single entrepreneur faces, deciding what to spend time and energy and money on in their business. And it's much more difficult when there's a lot of information and a lot of methods to choose from. Entrepreneurship is all about decision-making and responsibility, whatever your business is. And, and typically, the issue isn't a lack of information. It's choosing from an overwhelm of information. It's especially difficult when an entrepreneur, you know, you may have moved from being in a job where you're told what to do and how to do it, but then to come out and have complete control and complete responsibility, that's a lot. I've been doing this for well over a decade now, and I promise you, 
It is a lot. It does get easier if you're aware of how to make good decisions, but it is a lot. Now, another thing that can be really helpful for you when you're making decisions is know what your decision-making energy is like. Um, Making decisions, it's like a muscle. You can build up your muscle strength with making decisions. It's also like a muscle in that it can fatigue. (laughs) Here in our family, we laugh because, you know, sometimes, especially by the end of the day, we're like, man, I have made my number of decisions. I am decisioned out. It's your turn. You decide. Um, Know know when you're tired. Know when you're hungry. Know when, you know, do you do your best, most clear thinking in the morning? Make Make your important decisions then. When your mind's clear and you're ready to tackle the day, um, do you have mid-afternoon slump? It's probably not the best time to do clear contemplative thinking about decisions. So know what your decision-making energy is like and be aware of decision fatigue. Here is a great tip. Can you make one decision that will eliminate a few more or even a lot more decisions like I only buy Duke's mayonnaise I could do a great commercial for them only buy Duke's so when I'm in the store I don't have to stand there in the aisle and think well this one's on sale well but what about this should I get this nope Duke's mayonnaise always we all know it anybody who goes to shop at the store for my family it's the only kind of mayo you buy if you're going out to eat you could have a guideline of, well, I'll go to this restaurant and I will pick the second special on the menu. That's what I'll do. Now, that works pretty well if you're not a finicky eater. And if you tend to get tied up in, oh, what do I want? I can't decide. I can't decide. Just pre-make the decision. I'm going to choose the second special on the menu and it's going to be a delightful experience. Steve Jobs is an example of this in What to Wear. He was famous for always wearing a black mock turtleneck, jeans, and sneakers. He didn't waste his decision-making energy on what to wear. So it really is worth some time thinking about where in your life can you implement decide once guidelines. And I would, I like calling them guidelines because it doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule but it's a guideline. So you can decide differently if it really makes a difference to you, but have that decide once guideline. Now, when it comes to big life decisions, keep this part in mind. So often, it's really much more about who we're becoming in the process. That's what's mattering more than the decision itself. The decision, it's really just a way to get there. So I'll use this as an example. I had a decision to make months ago about whether or not to start a podcast. So, you know, as I'm trying to decide what to do, you know, you would think the decision was really about whether to start the podcast. Well, here's what it's really about. It's my overall goals. 
my goals are to help people get what they want in life. I've got a goal of building my life and my mindset coaching practice. And my biggest goal, I just want to use my gifts and talents to make the world a better place. So those are my goals. So my decision is about how do I want to reach those goals? I can do it in different ways. Now, the decision I made to start the podcast, it is helping me reach those goals, but I could do it without the podcast. But this is more about, all right, personally developing, refining my voice, building my body of work, and reaching out to the world. So, you know, at first blush, okay, start a podcast or not, that felt like the main decision. No, it's what it's leading me to. And it's good to remember, so often there are many paths that lead you where you want to go. Now, sometimes these decisions, they feel hard, not because we're hard-headed or we're ignorant or we don't care. No, they're hard because there's not a clear-cut way to measure them. It's not a one plus one equals two kind of thing. When we're considering what matters to us, you know, what we value, what's important in our life, we can't easily measure things like kindness and joy which happen to be two values of mine, we can't measure them like we can measure height or weight or count dollars. So that's more challenging to compare and evaluate. So it's not always a, you know, an apples to apples comparison. It's apples to pineapples and dog food comparison. I don't know. But what I keep in mind is that one of my life's decisions, one of my foundational things that I decided a long time ago is I'm going to enjoy my journey. And it's not just a bumper sticker. It is a bumper sticker, but it's more than a bumper sticker. Enjoying the journey. What that means to me is that I want to be mindful of my choices and how they help me become the person I want to be. And, And enjoying my journey means being aware of and fully experiencing my days and my moments, the full experience of life, the hard stuff, the easy stuff, the fun stuff, the sad stuff, all of it. That brings me joy. So, fellow life owners, embrace your decisions and use them to create the life you want. Thank you for listening and for sharing the podcast. Keep your requests and suggestions coming. I love hearing from you. I'm adding to my topic list. Now, let's go live, love, make decisions, change the world.